Hi. Hello. I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes. A true crime podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back, friends. This is our mini season. As we discussed at the end of season two, we'll be doing probably like a eight episode season-ish. We don't know. Haven't recorded them yet. (laughs) But we are covering our favorite murder cases. Yay! So, so we gave you some hints in the end of season two as to what they were. They were pretty obvious hints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure you guessed what they were. <laughs> um, so I'm going first, and my favorite case is the Zodiac Killer. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> shall we get started? I think we shall. Okay. So the Zodiac Killer, if you have no clue who that is, He was a serial killer, and he operated in California in the 60s and 70s, and his real victim count is unknown, though he's claimed to kill more than 30 people. Um, But as you'll learn, the Zodiac (laughs) Killer, he's a bit of a narcissist. What a guy. And he... I think that he probably did not kill more than 30 people. I think he's just saying that because he just right. says a lot of random crap that, like, <laughs> like you're just like, what the heck? Yeah, he says it in the most random ways, too. Yeah, I he's mean, a weirdo, for sure. <laughs> yes, and we'll definitely get into that, and I'm super excited to hear all about it all over again. Yes. <laughs> so we know for sure that authorities have connected him to five murders and two attempted murders, but they're open to the idea as well that there could be more. Um, so if you know anything about the Zodiac, I'm going to assume you know the Robert Graysmith story. So Robert Graysmith was a, um, cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle, which will come up in our story. And he famously wrote the book just called Zodiac. (laughs) And, um, he, David Fincher, one of my favorite directors, he directed Seven, Mm-hmm. If you love Great that movie, film. which you Great should, film. if you like true crime, um, <laughs> directed the movie based on Robert Graysmith's account. And that story um, really pinpoints one suspect a lot. And to be honest, kind of what they include or what they choose to include from the Zodiac story is in an effort to support their theory that this specific suspect, who we'll talk about later, is the Zodiac Killer. So there's more to the story that I feel like gets left out a lot. So as I'm telling this and you're like, what? I've never heard that. It's probably because you've never heard of it because people don't tell this side of the story a whole lot. So mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you everything, including possible Zodiac connections and confirmed Zodiac connections. So I'll try to make sure I distinguish which ones are real <laughs> for sure. But Yay, I'm so excited because I have only read... Robert Grace Zodiac. Books. Yeah. So I've only read that first one. And I know that there are multiple books. I've seen the movie, but I'm excited to learn about all the other shit. Right. That's and the movie's great. Like, I, that's yeah. probably in my top five favorite films. My boyfriend is in it, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, Kaylin's in that movie. <laughs> no, my other boyfriend. Oh, right. Mark Ruffalo. I yeah. forgot. Mark Ruffalo, if you didn't know, you're in a relationship with Randy Maddox. It's very here serious. In Fort Collins, Colorado. <laughs> yes. And he plays a detective, and I'm all about it. <laughs> okay. So, our story begins in Santa Barbara, California, on June 4th, 1963. Also, everything's in California, so just assume. Literally everything. <laughs> um, so, it was senior ditch day at Lompoc High School, and students Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards were skipping class 
as you do on that day yeah. when you're a senior. Absolutely. And they had decided to spend their day um, spending time at the beach. So the two students were engaged to be married. So... Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's the early 60s. I know, but it's still shocking. I mean, not for the early 60s, but so, yeah, so they were having like a cute romantic day, probably had a picnic, mm-hmm. probably danced to some romantic music on the beach. Adorable, cute little married, to be married couple. Yes. I'm you know. picturing like summer loving from Greece, that mm-hmm. scene. That's what I'm picturing. Absolutely. So that's on a Tuesday. On Wednesday, their parents start to worry because they had not returned home yet. So Robert's dad goes to the beach and starts looking around for them. And he's walking along the beach, not finding anything, when he notices a super old, gross shack. Oh, God. And do you want to guess what's inside? Mm, the dead bodies of his child and his child's fiance? Yes. Oh, you're so <laughs> Ding, <smart>. ding, ding. <laughs> do I get a prize? <laughs> um, no. Okay. <laughs> you get a warm fuzzy in your heart. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> warm fuzzy about dead kids, right? <laughs> so Robert was shot eleven times and Linda was shot nine times. Both were shot with a twenty-two caliber gun that was loaded with Winchester Western Super X ammunition, which is important. I'm not just telling you that detail yeah, for no reason. Like, okay. <laughs> um, so the investigation determined that the two were shot on the beach and that the killer had like subsequently carried them to that shack where he attempted to start a fire but like couldn't start a fire so he just left them there (laughs) which I'm like how do you not how hard is it to start a fire yeah like (laughs) so we're not working with a very sophisticated killer clearly not um so detective work detectives there's more than one worked the case for a while with no leads And it wasn't until 1972 that the possible Zodiac connection was announced by the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department. So the Zodiac never identified Robert and Linda specifically, but on multiple occasions, like I said, he alluded to a larger victim count than the one specified by detectives. So essentially, even though he never wrote about them in his letters, it's not a huge stretch to say that they were his first victims. And many point to this as the very first Zodiac anything. Right. And this is like, I had never heard of these killings before. Right. I'd never heard of them because they always go with like the first lover's lane thing. So Right. And that's interesting. Yeah. And a lot of people point to this because some similarities, the similarities in the ammunition, that same exact ammunition and a 22 caliber gun were used right. multiple other times by the Zodiac. And just the fact that he's like being all creepy and killing two random kids. Like that's his right. thing, as mm-hmm. we'll see. So it's up for debate, but most people agree. This is probably the first Zodiac killing. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. So the Zodiac chills for a while. <laughs> And he's just chilling. Chilling. And then he picks back up three years later in October on October 30th of 1966. Ooh. Yes. Day before Halloween. Day before Halloween. And Randy's birthday. It is. (laughs) Yes. Day before Halloween and Randy's birthday. (laughs) So this is a possible connection. This is not confirmed, but he does later say that he did this. So it's like pretty much the Zodiac, but this is not counting towards one that of the killings that the authorities say was the Zodiac. Okay, so 18-year-old Sherry Josephine Bates 
was a student at Riverside City College in Riverside, California. She had gone to the library to study and left a note for her dad that said, Dad went to the RCC library. So as was the case with Robert and Linda, Sherry never came home and her dad starts worrying. So he goes looking for her and gets authorities involved. So they're all like, where's Sherry? Her Volkswagen Beetle was found abandoned in the library parking lot and all of her personal items were not in there. So so she clearly hadn't been abducted like right out of her car because right. all of her personal effects weren't in there. Okay. Right. And so they're looking around the library, canvassing the area, when they find her body stabbed to death a few blocks over in between two houses with oh all gosh. of her items on her. She wasn't sexually assaulted. So it was evident that her killer just wanted to kill her. Right. Um, didn't take anything. Like didn't the, assault her. Yeah. The whole motive was to kill her. Right. That's so horrible. And there was nothing about the scene that identified any suspects except for that were, there was a men's Timex watch left at the scene. So Neat. <laughs> um, about a month later... <coughs> Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> about a month later, the local police department and newspaper each received the same exact typed letter titled, The Confession. Ooh. <laughs> the letters read... Miss Bates was stupid. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. She went to the slaughter like a lamb. I am not sick. I am insane. Okay. And they were like, yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Don't I need think to you're convince maybe us. a mixture of both. <laughs> sick and insane. So, um. Oh, slam to the. Ugh, ugh, I know. Ugh, Pretty ugh, gross. gross. Sounds gross. exactly like something the Zodiac would write. Yes, absolutely. Very so, narcissistic, very him focused and weird and like calling someone stupid and a lamb and like le- making everybody less than him yeah gross a I little satanist-y like that's a thing so yeah and this is also something that is not in the book this letter no. yeah like i said if you know the zodiac story from the movie or from the that book you're gonna learn a lot that you didn't know like me i'm so excited <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so about six months l- later after he sent that first those first two letters, he sends another letter to both, um, to the newspaper and the police. And this time it was handwritten. And the letters were also, they were pretty much identical other than the fact that they were handwritten. And they read, Bates had to die. There will be more. And he signed the letter Z. Ugh. (laughs) I I just don't like it when, you know, they... They almost, like, give you evidence in the fact that they write down, you know, in their own hand this letter. They send it to the police, and they, you know, there's still not really a distinctive, like, suspect in this case that, like, we know has killed everyone. Yeah. So it's such a bummer to see literal evidence being delivered to the police and to the newspapers, and nothing really comes of it. Yeah, and that's like a a product of the time that they didn't have the forensic stuff we do today, Mm -hmm. which we'll get to the limited forensic evidence that there is. But, man, the time when all these serial killers were operating sucked. Like, that sucks that every serial killer was like, I want to do it in California in the 70s. Yeah, right? I mean, you got Zodiac, Ted Bundy, Manson. It's just a lot of stuff happening at once. And I'm sure they were all overwhelmed with these serial killers. (laughs) After murdering Sherry, 
the Zodiac flies under the radar for like a few years again until he picks back up in December on December 20th of 1968. And once this crime occurs, he's in like full serial killer mode. He like does not chill anymore. So um, <laughs> zero chill from the Zodiac. <laughs> zero. And things start moving really quickly after this one. So we are now in Benicia, California, and 17-year-old David Faraday and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen are sitting in their car at a popular lover's lane on Lake Herman Road. This is not the popular lover's lane at the beginning of the Zodiac movie, just so you know. Yeah. Different, different one. So their car is parked off the side of the road in a gravel parking lot. It's around 11 p.m., and they're in a secluded area. So... It's essentially like pitch black outside, and if there was any light, it would be maybe from a street light, but it's like pretty minimal. So they're very secluded, like can't see anything. So they're in their car doing their business. I don't know what they were doing, <laughs> but um, a man dressed in all black holding a flashlight approaches from behind their car with a twenty-two caliber gun. The man shoots David Faraday once behind the left ear, and then Betty Lou, like, pieces out. She, like, gets out of the car and starts running Mm -hmm. when he shoots her five times in the back. God. So someone nearby heard the gunshots and called the police. So when they arrive, Betty Lou is pronounced dead on the scene because, duh, she was shot five times in the back. Right. But David is somehow still alive when police get there, despite being shot in the freaking head. I don't know. Whoa. Yeah, and they call for paramedics. So by the time the paramedics arrive, so has Detective Russ Butterbach, which I think is an <laughs> awesome last name. Absolutely. Um, with the Solano County Sheriff's Department. And they load David into the ambulance, and this detective jumps in as well because David was shot in the head, and <laughs> they called an ambulance, but everyone pretty much knows he's not going to make it. So this detective is like, I've got to get in here. I've got to get anything I can out of this guy before he dies. And he's like asking questions, like trying to get anything. And David passes away in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. So that didn't work. So detectives are left to figure out what happened without any eyewitnesses, without any statements from the victims, with nothing. Oh, my gosh. So frustrating. I know. So no one really knows what happened that night at Lake Herman Road, but most people speculate that the teenagers thought the man approaching their car was a police officer, which makes total sense. David, who was in the driver's seat, probably rolled down his window to greet the officer and then like saw that he had a gun and turned. Sorry, I just turned, but I realized <laughs> I have to talk into like, the microphone. And turned away. <laughs> he turned. He's still turning. He's turning. Um, As if they could see what's happening right now. I'm mostly talking to you, Claire, (laughs) trying to paint you a picture. Okay, it's well painted. I can see what's happening. He turns his head. (laughs) Turns his head to the right towards passenger seat. And that's probably why his gunshot wound is in his left ear, like in the back of it. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's how they're kind of building their theory. And then Betty Lou gets out of the car and is like, see you later. And is running when he obviously kills her too. Mm-hmm. Again, no one really knows who the Zodiac is yet, so they have not made this connection yet. Sure. This so to them this is just some random killing cold case. Yeah. Now we're getting into the Zodiac movie and book. 
Yay! <laughs> so <laughs> if nothing has sound familiar yet, it now will. Seven months after the murders at Lake Herman Road, the Zodiac kills again. This time in Vallejo, California. <gasps> the famous Vallejo. <laughs> and it's on the 4th of July. So 22-year-old Darlene Farron and her friend Mike Majot are sitting in her car in the parked the parking lot of Blue Rock Springs Park, another popular lover's lane. And just like the setting in Benicia, they're in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. No one's there. So around midnight, a car pulls into the parking lot and then leaves, but then comes right back. Yeah, <laughs> so, like tentatively, like, should I do it? Should I not? I know. It's super weird. And they even show this in the movie. You see, it's this is the opening scene of the movie Zodiac. And so a car pulls in, like, stops pulls out, and then, like, nothing happens for, like, a minute, and then pulls right back in. Yeah. So that happens, <laughs> and the car pulls into the parking spot right beside Darlene and Mike, and the driver gets out, points a flashlight into the car, and just starts shooting. At around 12.40, a man's voice calls the Vallejo Police Department from a payphone nearby, and it was the Zodiac. So this is his first time talking to anyone, making any verbal communication. Right. And aside from those letters um, in Riverside, this is his first communication. Right. So he says, I want to report a double murder. If you go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. I also killed those kids last year. Goodbye. Well, <laughs> yep. what a fun phone call to receive, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. So police rush to the scene and paramedics arrive shortly after. Unfortunately, Darlene was pronounced dead on arrival, but Mike survives. What is with all the men surviving? I That's know, so interesting. Right? I don't know if that was intentional to kill Darlene more so than Mike in this case, but that's what happened. Mike survives and is like still alive. Like he's fine right he's um, kicking it yeah so so yeah so mike's alive and he actually pay, plays a major role in the identification of one of the suspects later on so that happens it is after the murder of darlene farron and the attempted murder of mike that the zodiac starts communicating with major newspapers on july 31st 1969 he sends three letters one to the vallejo times one to the San Francisco Chronicle, and one to the San Francisco Examiner. This is where the Zodiac gets juicy. It is. <laughs> All three letters basically say the same thing, which I will tell you in a second. But unlike his earlier letters in Riverside, in these, he includes a cipher. And this is his like famous thing he does. He sends one-third of the cipher to each newspaper. So together, they make a complete thought. Like I said, all three letters are basically the same, but I'm only going to read you the San Francisco Chronicle. <coughs> Sorry. No, you're <laughs> good. Like coughing all morning. Um, I'm going to read you the San Francisco Chronicle letter just because the Chronicle is the most involved newspaper in this story. Also, before I read it, if you don't know the Zodiac, he misspells things and like says really weird things and essentially like just has bad grammar and yeah. that's actually a thing that other killers have done in the past and it's kind of an area of research right now in psychology I guess I don't know what the specific field would be but some killers like have this thing where they just spell everything wrong or reverse letters or like 
spell certain things incorrectly that are really easy to spell where they're spelling harder words correctly. It's this weird thing. I couldn't really find much about it because I think it's kind of an area of research right now. Right. This is the only like full letter I'm going to read because, as you'll see, it's pretty hard to follow. And like from now on, when we mention a letter, I'll just tell you like the important parts of the letter, but I won't read the whole thing to you. But so you get a gist of what he's doing. Here is the letter he sent, the first letter to the San Francisco Chronicle. It says, Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas, spelt with two S's, at Lake Herman, plus the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only I, plus the police, know. Christmas. One brand name of ammo, Super X, 10 shots of a- uh, were fired. The boy was on his back and his feet to the car. The girl was on her right, side feet to the west. 4th of July. Girl was wearing patterned, spelt incorrectly, slacks. The boy was also shot in the knee. Brand name of ammo was Western. Here is the part. Here is part of a cipher. The other two parts of this cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times plus SF Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity, but he spelled it wrong also. If you do not print the cipher by the afternoon of Fry, spelled F-R-Y, 1st of Aug 69, I will go on a kill rampage Fry night. I will cruise, spelled incorrectly, around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill until, spelled with two L's, I end up with a dozen over the weekend. And that's what the letter says. Goodness. (laughs) Goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so before we discuss this letter, let's end part one, because that was a lot to digest. Dun, dun, dun. And we'll pick back up with a fun discussion <laughs> in part two. Yay. So thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.